Fulton Sheen said that a priest is like Jacob's ladder. That's that Old Testament image of the angels that descend from heaven and go back up from earth. His idea was that the priest's job was in some way to bring God down to the people of earth and to bring the people of the earth up towards heaven. That up and down of Jacob's ladder. Jesus, of course, is the priest. And the prayer that we hear today in the gospel is called his priestly prayer. We've come in in the middle of this prayer. We're in the middle of chapter 17. You can tell because at the beginning he says, I pray not only for them. So he's clearly been talking about someone else because he doesn't tell us who them is. But we get to see a little bit of what it's like for Jesus to bring us to his Father in heaven. Certainly it's clear in so many ways in the ministry of Jesus how he makes God present on earth since he is the Son of God. His whole life is that downward motion from heaven to earth. But the goal is then earth to heaven. And he brings us at this moment, he lifts us up in prayer to his Father in heaven. Oftentimes when we encounter Jesus in prayer in scriptures, he's off in a place by himself. He went up the mountain to pray alone. He spent the night in prayer. He went off to a deserted place, and there he prayed. So we know that Jesus took time to speak to his father regularly, but this case is unique because he prays out loud for all of us to hear, which is a really spectacular thing. If you've ever tried to pray from your heart out loud so that other people can hear you, Catholics, we don't like that. We like to pray with the script, thank you very much. It's an intimidating thing to pray from your heart out loud so that someone else can hear you. It's an intimate thing. It makes you vulnerable because it gives the people who can hear a window into your inner thoughts and desires and hopes and dreams. But this is a little gift of Jesus to his followers that he invites us to hear his inner thoughts, his hopes, his dreams. He invites us into the intimacy of his prayer with his heavenly father by praying this out loud for the benefit of the disciples who were there and for the benefit of us who can hear these words so many years later. And he's praying for his church. He's praying for his followers. And we get a little window in this priestly prayer of Jesus what his desire for his church is for what he hopes and dreams that his followers will be. 
And in so many words, we hear straight from the heart of Jesus in this chapter of John what we profess every Sunday in the creed. We profess the church to be one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And in this priestly prayer of Jesus, we hear that that's what Jesus prayed that we would be. This was Jesus' hope, his dream, his vision for his followers. You can certainly hear, even in this passage, the oneness, that they may be one as we are one, Father, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that Jesus wanted his followers to be united, in fact, perfectly united. This was the Lord's desire for his people. We profess the church to be holy because this was Jesus' desire, that his followers would be like him. That's what it means to be holy, to be like God. God who is love, also tells us St. John. And so we get just a glimpse of that in this particular passage from the longer chapter. That the love with which you loved me may be in them. Love one another as I have loved you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. He's praying that we would be like him. He's praying that his followers, his church, would be holy. And he prayed that his church would be Catholic and apostolic, which is what I want to focus on today. The word Catholic means universal. Small c Catholic, that's the origins of the word. He prayed that his church would be for everyone, everywhere, at every time. That's what universal means in this context. That's what Catholic means. That what he had to offer, his good news, his gospel, his grace, wasn't for a select few, wasn't for a particular race or nation, wasn't for a particular group, wasn't even for a particular time, was not exclusive to those who were physically present with him there. There's a certain timelessness that Jesus hopes for his people, for his church. And so to say that the church is Catholic means that the church is for everybody, everywhere, always. That we don't need a new church or a new gospel or new faith because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his gospel, his church, is timeless. That the words that Jesus spoke and the grace that he offered to the people of Palestine in the first century is the same truth and good news and grace that we need in 2022 in Bowling Green. And he prayed that his church would be apostolic. That is, that that Catholic church, that church everywhere and always, 
would be the same church that he had in front of him there. To be apostolic means that our faith is the same faith of the apostles who heard these words straight from his lips. He prayed that this would be so. He prayed that our faith would be their faith, that their faith would be ours, that that church would be this church. He says it right in the beginning of today's passage. Holy Father, I pray not only for them, and he's talking about his apostles, who he's just had dinner with. This is a Holy Thursday prayer. After the Last Supper, before they go off to Gethsemane, Jesus lets them overhear this prayer. I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I pray for the ones they're going to go preach to. And then the ones that they go preach to. The ones who believe in me because of the words of the apostles. And then because of their words and their words. This is the idea of tradition. Tradition means handing on, like the handing on of a baton in a relay race. The runner starts to run, and when he has finished his section of the course, he passes that baton to the next runner, who carries the same baton until his portion is concluded and then passes that along. This is what Jesus hopes for the faith, the gospel, the truth that he has come to bring. That that same faith will be passed from person to person, place to place, generation to generation. And so there's a very real way in which we can say that we are here this morning because Jesus prayed us here. He prayed for you and I here today, that night. Jesus, who knows all things because he is God, whose mind is not limited as ours is, he can hold many more things in his consciousness at one time than we can. We get distracted so easily. Jesus had you and I at St. Tom's today in mind when he said, I pray for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us who have received the faith from the Catholic and Apostolic Church. The fact that the church still exists is really and truly, honestly, a miracle. After centuries of persecution, after centuries of corruption and inept human beings, the reason why the church still thrives, still subsists, is because Jesus prayed it to be so. And God the Father hears the prayers of his Son. Again, this is a Holy Thursday prayer. This is what Jesus chose to pray at the moment of his greatest sacrifice. At the moment of his suffering. The handing over of his life. And let me tell you something. I'm not really sure how the calculus of all of it works. But God 
is especially attentive to the prayers of those who suffer. The prayers of the sick, the prayers of the persecuted, the prayers of the forgotten, those who are in the midst of, the su- of their suffering that turn to him are always heard. And so Jesus, at the moment of his great sacrifice, turns to the Father and prays for you and for me. We give thanks to God that he heard and answered the prayer of his Son. We are here today because of the apostolic church. Because faith, truth, good news, and grace have been passed on from generation to generation. But this is also our call as well. It better not end in 2022 in Bowling Green. That Jesus prayed for those who would believe because of your word. Jesus prayed for those who would believe because you preached the gospel. Because you handed on the baton. Think of the people in your life who believe because of you. Sometimes we don't stop to think about that. The most obvious example is that of parents who bring their children to be baptized, who raise them up to know the Lord, and who believe in Jesus because of your word. That's certainly not the only example. It's just an obvious one. That there are people who only know Jesus because of you. And think this too. Who else might come to know Jesus through your word? Who else is God giving you in your life to preach a word of truth, a bit of good news? How does God want to use you as an instrument of grace? Because Jesus, in the moment of his greatest trial, prayed for those who would believe because of you. And the parents thing was just an example. Don't say, well, I'm not a parent, so who am I supposed to preach to? Say not, I am too old. My time is done. I've done enough. Say not, I am too young. I'll get to that later. That the Lord gives us each day people who will only know Jesus because of you or me. Because of our word. Because we take what we have been given and we don't hold on to it selfishly, but pass that along. That we hand on what we have received. Faith, good news, truth, grace. And give thanks to God for those people as well. For they are a gift to you. That's what Jesus says here. About the people that the Father gave him. Which I suppose means 
those who were in front of him right there, but you and I as well. He says, Father, they are your gift to me. The Lord is gifting you people who will experience freedom, salvation, love, perhaps for the first time, or certainly in a new way, because of you who preach the word who pass the baton of faith to them. The greatest thing you can do with a gift is to use it. That's what shows the giver that you're thankful, that you appreciate what has been given. Who is the Lord giving you right now? Who is the Lord giving you this week? who might only come to know Jesus and believe in him because of you. And fear not, because Jesus has prayed for you and for them. Jesus has prayed for that very moment, for these very encounters. And the prayer of Jesus is heard, dear friends. We give thanks to God for the faith that we profess, that we'll profess in just a few moments. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It's a profession of faith that comes from the past. It's the creed that comes from the Council of Nicaea centuries ago. It's a profession of faith about the present moment, that that church then is this church now. And it's a prayer of hope for the future, that we might be the church that Jesus prayed for, that we might be one, one flock, one shepherd, one faith, one baptism, that we might be holy, That the followers of Jesus might love one another as God has loved us. That we might be more like him every day. It's our belief and our hope that this church is Catholic, is universal, is for everybody. That the faith that we hold, that we've been given, has something to offer everyone. And it's our hope that that church will always be apostolic. That the baton will not fall on our watch. That we will hand on what we have received. Jesus prayed it to be so. He's prayed for you. He's prayed for those who will believe in him through your word that we may become what we're called to be, one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic.